0: Welcome to The New School at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for a very special presentation with Caroline Casey, followed by a conversation hosted by Michael Lerner. Caroline calls this presentation the Equinoctial Eclipse Persian New Year Comedic Kahoot of Mars and Venus Tour.
1: Wow, look at this room, filled with admirers of Caroline Casey. Um, it's such a joy to be with our community here. And uh, Oren, thank you so much for that. Um, the way the, the afternoon is going to work is that Caroline will be Caroline for about a half hour. <laughs> and then uh, Caroline and I will uh, do a conversation together, a new school conversation, which essentially I want to discover how Caroline became Caroline. Uh, which will be a lot of fun. Um, Caroline Casey is the host, creator, weaver of context for the Visionary Activist Show on Pacifica Radio, uh, 94.1 KPFA in Northern California. And uh, she started the show on September 5th, 1996, when she hosted the late James Hillman, Uh, conversing on their shared dedication of restoring mythological literacy to culture. For those of you who know the New School know that we've done 10 or 15 conversations on James Hillman and so um, this continues our weaving uh, not only on James Hillman but on the whole field of archetypal work with my beloved colleague Rachel Naomi Remen who's already been introduced to you, with the late Angelus Arian, with John Goldthorpe, um, uh, with uh, uh, many others, with uh, Francis Wellner, uh, and many others who share this uh, interest in in the deep psyche. And um, I find Caroline one of the most extraordinary people I know. If you, I think most of you know her work already, but she is not only a force of nature, but a force of culture. And uh, she, um, some of her trademarks are uh, the willingness to look at so-called opponents, not in a clash way, but with her woof woof wanna play approach. (laughs) which I love. Uh, another quote that she has uh, from Brew Rabbit is one of the characters that says, uh, if we're not having a good time, we're not serious enough. And so, uh, you know, I just love the way her uncanny capacity to use astrology, mythology, culture, politics, in a weave that just ignites us. Um, These are hard times. These are serious times. And if we're not having a good time, we're not serious enough. So with joy in my heart, it's a pleasure to introduce Commonweal's friend and colleague, Caroline Casey.
2: Wow, I just live uh, alone really in the semi-woods with a coyote, it's very surprising to see all you humans or all you animals disguised as humans going oh. Because I do often say the coyote, you know, we live you know, in humble obscurity outside Washington DC on behalf of the team, but you know in California I'm kind of a small big deal. And they're like oh, whatever, okay. But, but, it, but so we, we, are all, we are all here in a, in, a, in a lucky coinciding at this auspicious moment. So those of you who've hung with me for a little bit you know, know Muti. Muti means power and medicine. Um, It comes from the Sangomas of South Africa. It reminds us that all power is healing intrinsically. And so the Muti, you know, we say, oh, spirit of the compassionate trickster redeemer residing within each one of us, you know, willing to bound onto the world stage, you know, open the path before us that we may Cultivate, magnetize, animate our gifts, and spiral them forth into the world at this time of dire beauty. Maybe so. So, I'm big on attribution, I, I, I have to say that it is my wonderful friend David Lynn Grimes who coined the term, or the phrase, You know, if we're not having fun, we're just not serious enough, um, and had guided me to Br'er Rabbit. Um, bless you forever, uh, spirit trickster brother. Um, and the Br'er Rabbit opening lines are, there was times when all the creatures used to gather to sagatuate, just like there ain't been no hard times, just like they had been no falling out, just like they remembered they were all kin. We go, ah, all the trickster tales. So how lucky to be incarnationally coinciding, oh audience of the age, wizards and, you know, uh, uh, dervishes and uh, everybody here disguised as whatever you are, it's time to come out of our witness relocation program. Um, <laughs> no matter, no matter how hip our cover is, you know, we're still even more frisky than that. So we go, Dah! um So cooperators are standing by. Um, I want to <laughs> Let me introduce them, because this call and response, it is such a powerful time right now to gather. Um, the gods, the backstage metaphors, you know, the, the invisible are always proffering to us humans, going, God, we wish the humans would ask for help, because spiritual etiquette requires that they ask so that we can enter from backstage to onstage. And we go, oh, now would be really good. So we can feel, you know, our ancestors, for 25,000 years behind us, would have gathered now at equinox, but also for bonus points, uh, a precise new moon yesterday, a solar eclipse, visible in Norway and the Arctic, encircling some of the most endangered parts of the planet. Greenland's ice is melting at 60 times the worst scenario, whatever, and the eclipse is right there, okay. But an eclipse, you know uh, at the very last degree of the zodiac, right before the sun enters the first degree of the zodiac, is full of beguiling opportunity for us. The realm of Pisces, the last realm of the, the the last sign of the zodiac, it's the realm of all of us. Let us all be culture doctors, in a sense. Pisces is the realm of dreams, vision, imagination, fairy tales, all that has ever had the capacity to elicit a kind of majnun, a kind of yearning, madness for the divine, um, and that eclipse at the very last degree of the zodiac says for everybody, you know, to to. To uh, refresh, to magnetize, invite in, and animate—you know—all that you've ever loved in stories, in films, in poetry, in music that is dear to you—that we now have the opportunity to bring it alive again in fresh, new telling. May it be, may it be so. So. Um, Um, Yeah, so I go audience of the age because that is part of the frame story of the Arabian Nights that I want to guide us into in a brief fashion. So to introduce the the players, the cooperators who are standing by, um, we have uh, an eclipse uh, which provides us a metaphor. What would we like eclipsed by what? Um, you know, may, uh, may hyper-yang death frenzy, uninitiated Mars, be eclipsed by beauty leading the world back to sanity, for instance. You know, um, so we want to start priming the pump of our imaginative, metaphoric, extended linguistic capacity, because language grants us access to the realm it describes. If we have a language, we can go there. And one of the beautiful things about the exquisite, much-dissed language of astrology, it is the exquisite language of interrelatedness, everything. Um, People to land, to coyotes and cabbages, and all in one dream together, and it is the exquisite language of our individual psyches and its specific connection to the larger world. So the planets represent living qualities of intelligence that reside within us and connect us to the world. So as I kind of introduce them, they're, they're woofing, they have things to say to us to help us out. Um, uh, you know, feel the resonant, the corresponding resonance you know, within each one of us too, going oh, uh, that is being fed. And it's part of our strategy as cultural healers, as cultural storytellers, to assume cultural narrative lead at this time of dire beauty. So we're not just reacting like, blah, blah, we're, going, we're going this way. Um, and to be storytellers, again, willing to cross borders. The word metaphor means to carry a cross. You know, again, language is so fabulous when we look it up in an etymological dictionary. We're going back into the spiritual archaeology of language where it takes us to a living realm of animism, you know, and makes it all much more clear. Um, we are surrounded by these fabulous bird drawings. Oh, I love the the Darth hummingbird behind me is fantastic. Um, but it reminds us of the word inaugurate comes from the augur, the diviner within each one of us who would observe the patterns of birds um, whereby nature would speak to us because we live in a storytelling creation and guide us to the most responsible human and then they would be inaugurated. That's what it means. So let's bring it back. You know simple things also the word respect, re is again, spect is look. Respect means to look again or re-re-re-re-re-re-re-respect re, 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 re respect, until you find something. Because whatever we speak to in another is the corresponding part of themselves. We're inviting to dance with the corresponding part of ourselves. So the reason we want to compost into the eclipse cauldron and the Pluto bubbling cauldron, judgment, we want to keep discernment, ladle out discernment, but when we judging, we're really inviting the worst part of another to dance with the least evolved part of us, and it's just never pretty. Um, so this idea of transcending polarity—you know—to be snookered into polarity is to be hoodwinked into serving the overlords and the Dementors of Doom. Bless their hearts, may they have one again. Um, you know, no matter what label we put on our butts. So, so. I love that neuroscience. I think it was two years ago. Neuroscience came out and said we've discovered that people remember things better when they're in stories. We go, you cute little neuroscience, <laughs> you little, you little whippersnapper. You, um, that's so cute. Um, no, we, I mean we're grateful. We're grateful. Um, but, but lineages do. Um, so, so right now, just just to to we are here to again restore intimacy to the world, you know. Um, so just to, to feel right now, just for the fun of it, straight up overhead is yourness that represents, oh there we go, people oh, people are liking that, that's good, yes. Feel yourness straight up overhead, why not? Yourness goes, thank you, they're hoisting their sails of willingness, the humans are willing, let's send the wind, you know, for windfalls of wherewithal and an increased field of serendipitous synchronicity. Um, because the, the backstage divine is really wanting to help the humans out, we gotta either kill them or heal them we'll try healing them first, okay. Um, so, So part of the field of now is let's play to their strong suit. Some things are always true, but there are times when they're truer. So right now the pattern says, you know, again the backstage says, let's make the power of story and games and blessing even more potent. You know, even more magnetizing the molecules. So we live the story, we, 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 we understand the horror, important to be informed. You know, again, many who've been hanging with me, we, we all have these metaphoric great skills that we've always had like Dorothy's slippers. We have a magic mirror. It's, it's invisible under your chair, um, uh, but you can take it home with you. And the magic mirror means the secular critic holds up a mirror to society and goes, look, it sucks, in detail, and, and that's important. Um, and then the trickster part of all of us with a wave of the hand turns the mirror into a window, but look how beautiful it could be. And then with another wave of the hand, the trickster within us all you know, turns it into a door, let's go. <sighs> so for all of us to be irresistible, to invite in genius, again, all of it's a partner, we source nothing, and that's where fairy tales provide us which, with such important etiquette. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd like to say, if we expect from humans what can only be provided by gods, we have guaranteed our disappointment, which only leads to tantrum yoga. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, as, as, we, as we journey along, you know, um, think of personally and collectively what one would like to throw into the bubbling alchemical cauldron and ladle out, and what does something want to be transformed into. You know, um, things I carry with me, uh, ancestor, allies, wonderful Nalita Anderson, who was a client and friend raised from birth as a kahuna in Hawaii. And one of the crucial things that that I keep in my magic backpack that she told me, she said, we had to learn about poison and harm uh, in our training, not to cause harm, but because in the body of a person and the body of a culture, the killing points are the same as the healing points, the difference is intention. Oh, that's a good one. So we're here to go, no, no, we might have abused power in the past, but really we do want to heal, we really really do. Um, Holding to our dedication, the power of dedication is a humble acknowledgement that we can't even be who we want to be by ourselves. It's by ourselves that got us into this pickle. Um, Only by a humble willingness to cooperate with nature's guiding, evolutionary, resilient, against all odds, loving, genius, known as trickster, you know, are we gonna wend our way out of this, you know? It's a huge evolutionary opportunity, that's a kind of easy thing to say, but let's animate it more. So if we're if we're taking all past myths and bringing them alive again, so yes. Yeah, so, so I did want everybody to see this incredible coat. Um, it's alive. Um, it wanted. It's taking me on this equinoctial tour. It's from Afghanistan. Um, it has not been worn in eighty years. Uh, and the Zamani Afghani family, they're like, "You will pay for it somehow." It wants to go with you. Go and I go. All righty. Um, so because <laughs> I'm a Libra, you bet. You know. Yes. I sell the cow for magic beans. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely, to drear, weird, um, but so so this is an extraordinary coat that was embroidered by a family that is still making handmade beauty in Afghanistan. Um, And my conversation with Afghani friends that I'm being led to, we're all on a scavenger hunt and we pursue where the path opens. um, And we've had great conversations about the importance of Venus handmade. You know, Martin Prechtel says, to feed the indigenous soul, have around you things that you know who made them. They have a story, and the story embraces and protects and guides us. You know, that we live in a storytelling creation, that everything's speaking to us all the time by its shape, its song, its rhythm. And if we just approach the world with informed, reverent curiosity, we humans would be back, you know, in the embrace of the choreography of creation and so we've come to offer ourselves to that. So it is handmade and the Zamani family wants people to know about the Venusian beauty of Afghanistan, this rich culture of handmade extraordinary beauty. Wherever there's Mars, hyper Yang, Mars death frenzy in the world, let us go for the Venus. We might say the world is being destroyed by uninitiated Mars in myriad forms, and throughout mythology and life and nature, it is Venus that initiates Mars. Venus is kinship. And at this time right now, for 25,000 years, you know, people would gather to invite the literal and symbolic light of the Sun to illumine the painting or the poem at the back of the cave. Come on in, power, and animate this poem, this story. You, we invite power in and we offer it a template in our own personal lives and collective lives. So, since we're in an Arabian night story and the coat wanted to come, because it is Scheherazade's wedding coat for reasons I hope to remember to tell you. Um, so, um, um, <clears throat> so Great, great Turkish uh, author, Guneli Gun, who wrote a wonderful book called On the, On the Road to Baghdad in which Scheherazade is a character, at the end of the radio interview she goes, you know, uh, in pre-Islamic Ottoman Empire, you know, in the Middle East, the predominant deity was she-wolf. And throughout the Middle East was this azure blue flag emblazoned with an alpha female wolf's head on it. I'm like, whoa, let's bring her back, you know, what's that? And underneath, underneath, again, the animal kinship, you know, um, originating collaboration with nature's desire realm, and we go, ooh. And so, she- so she-wolf, in a sense, becomes Scheherazade. Now, do most people know the Scheherazade frame story? Just, uh yes. Well, well a little a little mini. Okay, uh, short version. Um, so, frame stories throughout human history. Stories within stories within stories. Because, um, so, the Scheherazade frame story is uh, King Shariar has been bitterly betrayed by his wife and will trust no women at all. And so he determines, um, out of, vanity and affront and general sociopathic moodiness, that he will, he will bed a virgin each night, and at dawn he will behead her. So the land is getting pretty thin of virgins. Um, and uh, Scheherazade, whose name means city redeemer, the Arabian Nights are full of women trickster redeemers, mostly. Um, again, some of them been, you know edited out, but they're back now, because right now overhead, the moon in Aries kick butt, right next to Trickster, right next to Mars, all being led by Venus. Um, it is such a beautiful thing, and there are images for each degree of the zodiac. The moon's image right now, straight up overhead, is the gateway to the garden of all desired things. We go, Ooh. It has never been so cool, so available, so welcomed to be a kind of kick-butt, you know, Venus-Mars integrated trickster, redeemer being. It's a very welcoming field. So, you know, everybody, you know, Neptune would whisper in everybody's ears, imagine that the deepest, most exiled, most shamed, and most beautiful part of each one of us is about to be completely culturally welcome. Whew. Exile over. Ali Ali, income free. Um, King Arthur did not die. He went to Avalon to go take Pilates classes with the priestesses You know, to await, the, to await the world's call at a time of dire necessity to conjure, to invite back in positive yang, to dance with positive Venus. So, um, so um, uh, And so it is with many of the deities. The myths never end. They get put on pause and we wanna hit play. Um, So, and as Michael alluded to, we all aspire together, we're all equally befoiled, but it's really good to dedicate, because when we dedicate, we're saying to the invisible, hold me to this. This is the art form of person I want to be, and it's a very powerful, good time to do that, for each one of us to write our manifesto of dedicated devotion, because it's like placing an order, and Jupiter and Uranus go, you write it, we'll fill the order, and we go, okay. so uh, so Scheherazade, whose name means city redeemer, and her sister Dunyazad, whose name means world redeemer, Shahrazad says, I will marry the sociopathic king, and she is the daughter of the Grand Wazir and so protected by privilege, and her father is like, no, 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 and she goes, no, watch this. Um, and um, longer, you know, but so each night she tells this beguiling story to the crazy king, um, and. Uh, and then Shahrazad perceives the dawn of day and ceases to say her permitted say, in the middle of a story. And Shariar says, "What's another day? Okay, what the hell, you know." Um, uh, and it goes on for a thousand and one nights, during which time they've had three children. And at the end of it, um, he goes, "You know, you have healed me. You know, I am a, a sociopathic dingbat guy who had hardened my own heart, you know, and lost all Venus. But you have been my, my redeemer." Uh, and there's many ways that that beautiful story is told. But within that story, briefly, I just want to bring into play, the, as pertinent to us all uh, that hums in our bones, uh, is so pertinent now, the tale of the Princess Perizida. Um Um, And just as a preliminary when when, uh, listening to a recording of myself on my way here, um, (coughs) going, that was great. Um, But (laughs) at a time of some difficult thing, I I, I began by, somebody passed me a a note um, before I stepped on stage saying, thank you for not giving up on beauty. I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. So thank all of us for not giving up on beauty. Beauty is strong. Um, we are here to restore intimacy to the world. So, yeah, the beautiful tale of, um, uh, sort of begins also, um, Gunnelli Gunn says, her dervish character says, the world is run by those who don't know how to make love, and that's why the world is in terrible shape. Right, the dance of Venus and Mars, which is important. When you join Al-Qaeda, or or what's called, in the West, ISIS, but Daesh, you, you do a marriage ceremony. You know, it's a toxic mimic of a of a real thing. So it behooves us to do the real thing. Remember that it was on this day, Persian New Year, Vernal Equinox, years the sacred to all life that George W. Bush began bombing. So we are here to be the bomb, B A L M, to all the bombs. Um, you know, and so uh, so it happens. Um, that Harun al-Rashid, a great, uh, great king who would don peasant garb and walk through the streets um, with his grand wazir, and they happened upon three sisters talking. Um, and the three sisters, the oldest one said, if I could have anything in the world, uh, I would marry the sultan's pastry chef, and that way I would always have fantastic things to eat. And the second sister says, you know, I would marry the sultan's masseuse, and that way I'd never have a stiff neck. And the third and youngest sister says, I would marry the sultan himself. Yeah. And I would give birth uh, to three children, all of whom would be great heroes, but the greatest of whom would be a wise and beautiful daughter who would help lead the world back to sanity. So the king goes to court and goes, ooh, interesting. And he summons the three sisters and says, I will grant all of your wishes. Now, the younger sisters are like, bleep in hell. <laughs> um, so he marries, he marries the, the youngest daughter, and in the fullness of time, she is pregnant. Um, and uh, the jealous sisters, as often happens in fairy tales, uh, say we will be the midwives. And a beautiful baby boy is born, and the jealous sisters take the baby and throw it into the river. And uh, they replace it with a hedgehog. Uh, and the Sultan comes in and goes, a hedgehog? How odd! Well, we'll try again. Um, so, in the fullness of time, the beautiful queen gives birth to another beautiful baby boy, and the in the evil sisters throw it in the river, Toof! and they replace it with a pig. I hope I remember these. Um, and so, uh, and the sultan comes in and goes, a pig. How odd! You know, okay. And they do it again, um, uh, and she gives birth to a beautiful baby daughter. Oh, and the and the sisters throw it in the river and replace it with a cow. Um, and the sultan comes in and goes, that does it. That does it. You're a witch. You're which I'm going to have you publicly chastised and everybody spit on you and and if you don't spit on her I'll put you to death because we're in that kind of mean story Um, and um, uh, so she's imprisoned and dragged off. Meanwhile downriver a humble gardener and his wife are like a baby Another baby! Another baby! Ooh. And they are raised and, and loved, and it happens that, you know, the gardener and his wife die, um, but, but the Princess Perizada, the youngest daughter, whose name means fairy-born, you know, they live very beautifully, until one day a dervish comes to their house and says, you really have a gorgeous, off-the-grid, really groovy house here, I can see, you know, but you know, you could really use two things. Three things. You need to go to the magic mountain, and you need to get the talking bird, the singing tree, and the golden waters of life. So it is the problem of having a feng shui consultant come to your house. You go, oh, there's never enough, my goodness. Um, So so the oldest son sets forth and says, I will will go do these things. And he says, here's a dagger. Oh, sister, if it turns red, it means I'm dead. So he goes off, and we're shortening this here. Um, And the dagger turns red, and the sister goes, oh no, you're dead. The next brother says, I will go forth and and do this heroic thing, and here's a string of pearls, and if they break, it means I'm dead. The pearls break. Perizana says, oh no, my brothers are dead, I must set forth. At the foot of the mountain, there's a dervish, disguised as a beggar. Um, and And she says, oh grandfather, do you have any advice for me in climbing this mountain and doing this heroic task that has already claimed the life of my brothers. And he says, well you know, you're the first person who asked advice. This is going surprisingly well. Um, everybody else, and I remember your brothers, they were like, out of the way, old man. You know. But here's the advice, as you go up the mountain, there will be voices that hurl customized insults at you, and you must not, under any circumstances, look back. Very important fairy tale, underworld. You know, um, because then you will be turned to your heart and then your body will be turned to stone. So she goes, well, what if I stuff my ears with chamomile and beeswax? And he goes, oh, you are a clever person. This is going well. So she does that, and as she goes up the hill, she can hear customized you know, insults being hurled at her. You know, in fact, you're not smart. You're the know, same person, you're in astrology. Um, but, but she keeps going. No, going. Again, very important just to, to mark this, because we, right now, to react to anything is not free. It's a hot thing in an already too hot world. You know, and it's to carry around a portable prison for ourselves and for others. To cultivate an ever larger repertoire of responses you know, is to ally ourselves with nature's bountiful ingenuity. And mythic availability. So she gets to the top of the hill, and even the talking bird is hurling insults all the way at her, going, "Fat thighs, you know, you'll never, you'll never have sex again. Yeah, whatever, you know." I'm going straight, and so she gets to the top, and the talking bird goes, "Well done." Well done. You did it. You know, and here you don't need to cut down the whole tree. Here's a little cutting of the singing tree. And I will hop on, I'm the talking bird, and I will hop on your shoulder. And here's a little vessel for the waters of life that you can restore. And she says, oh, but my brothers are dead. And the bird says, oh, I don't worry about that. She goes, he says, as you come down the mountain, simply sprinkle the waters of life you know, on all who could not resist reacting and whose heart and then bodies had turned to stone. Just sprinkle the water on them. So she comes down the mountain, sprinkling the waters of life on all those who'd hardened their hearts, brought back to life, this great celebration, this fantastic celebration, you know, and with her brothers. And her brothers go out into the woods and the world begins to come back to life and the birds are singing and the the waters of life are, are restored again and the trees are repopulating. And it happens that the king, is wandering through the forest, he's going, wow, what's, what's this, wow, and he runs into the two young men and he feels a curious, well it's curious in the tale, it says a curious erotic attraction to them, um, which is kinky, but interesting, um, <laughs> and they go, come back to our house, O king, and the talking bird says to Perizadeh, serve to the king, serve to the sultan, a salad of cucumber and pearls, Okay. And the sultan says, cucumber and pearls, this is passing strange. And the talking bird says, cucumbers and pearls is talking strange, but a woman giving birth to a hedgehog, a pig, and a cow is not strange. Um, And the sultan goes, oh my God, you are my children. I am an idiot. I am an idiot. Let me haul your mother out of prison. You know, whatever. And 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 the world comes back to life. And may it be so for all of us you know um, that we are here to invite in all exiled beauty that we are here to restore the waters of life and the singing bird and the talking tree um, and have the to have the story inform our our bones and our blood um, and we'd say again we're we're all in a Oh, many other exciting things somewhere, sometime later, um, another time. Um, but but um, the power of language. I like it when people say, you know, oh, waily waily, are this difficult, whatever we are. The magic words until now, until now. You know, it used to be, you know, until now. It's not just a Pollyanna thing. So we might just go. Let this breathe the spring of until now, until now. Um, And in a culture of reciprocal blessing, you know, aizan is an Amharic word used to express support and encouragement to tackle challenges when one is embarking on a difficult journey. So we go aizan, aizan, aizan. And then alioup from the French circus is again, you know, a support, you know, a a reciprocal blessing, an encouragement so that we can support each other as we leap up to invite beauty uh, up into the world. And so we just go to each other, alioup. Thank you, team.
0: You're listening to a presentation with Caroline Casey, followed by a conversation with Michael Lerner.
1: Well, Caroline, thank you for today. You know, many extraordinary people come to the new school, but there's some level of astonishment that I have about you that is really... (laughs) I guess it, it's a, it's a form of, uh, form of love. Oh! No, oh. A, yeah, just a deep, deep astonishment. Um, I was reading your website, it's so beautiful, and, and it starts like this. Uh, Welcome allies to the realm of trickster medicine. Trickster medicine, right? Commonweals about healing. Pragmatic mysticism, democratic animism, applied divination, and a willingness to cooperate with everything. Nature reminds us that some seeds only sprout after cataclysm, flood, fire, ordeal. By analogy, some parts of us only come alive at a time of dire beauty. This trickster within loves against all odds. So now is perfect." What I find when I listen to you, and I've heard you now probably a half dozen times in different places, is um, this astonishing combination of of deeply informed uh, mythic imagination and also um, complete presence with what is happening politically in the world. So here's my question. You are deeply conversant. You are the daughter of a four-term congressman from Massachusetts. He carried you on his shoulders to the Kennedy uh, inauguration gracious, in yeah. the snow. Uh, he held your hand in the White House at Kennedy's... Uh, well,
2: the, the, the Capitol. capital the yeah, Capitol at Kennedy's, Kennedy's funeral. Kennedy's,
1: yeah. Kennedy's funeral. Um, your sister actually is uh, married to... Uh, The director of the National Cancer Institute, so you're not unfamiliar with the corridors of power in Washington and somehow you married, which is really unusual because a lot of people who work in the mythic field do not touch politics. It's sort of at another level, it's off to the side. Uh, If you stay in the entirely mythic field you can attract people from left and right and center and you know, you're know, you not declaring a political uh, uh, agenda of some kind. But you manage, in a way that is welcoming to conservatives and others, to at once be a, a master of the mythic realm, but also completely alive to what is actually happening to the Earth and to all of us. So, was that conjunction of myth and politics, something that was with you from the start, or did you develop it over time?
2: I think from forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I do always want to tease it into pertinence to everybody. You know, that, so it began, you know, l- let us all consider our lives as spiritual detective novels, <coughs> you know, in which every affinity is a, a worthy clue to be honored and cultivated. So yeah, I, I, am, the, I am the youngest daughter of the failed king in the city. Um, he was a new, my dad was a New Deal congressman in Massachusetts uh, long before I was born, he was 54 when I was born, as a surprise! Um, and um, uh, so, um, but I grew up, you know, with, with power-possessing beings coming through the house, um, and with, you know, again, uh, David Loon Grimes' fabulous phrase, the innocent dignity of the child heart, I would go, these men know nothing. Um, their wives are cooler, but very quiet, you know. So, so I was, I was disabused of the glamour of power early. We should all be disabused in that way. Um, so, um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm told that I saw, of, you know, imaginary friends and fairies. I don't remember, but that's why they shipped me off to kindergarten early, going time for Caroline to, you know, go off. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> And, but and I do always wonder, you know, because here here is here is the home team, you know. Again, and and uh, I live in D.C., but the radio show I do is not carried there, but here. So here is like oh, it's like why aren't I here? I wonder, um, you know. But but um, but mythological justification sometimes takes a little more. <laughs> why am I? Um, but it is to cross borders. Um, and, you know, on, on your behalf, I, I do go to CPAC, Conservative Political Action Committee, I go, going, if these principles work, we're, we're gonna wanna cross borders because, because we all really are, you know, coyote deputized um, to, to magnetize an irresistible, all-inclusive, in, in inviting story. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what i found everywhere, but even at CPAC, um, where Yes, where 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 man, I was smuggled into the Ronald Reagan banquet uh, or, or cocktail party before the banquet, and a man just I was kind of dressed as I am, you know, and but more w- wolf totems and things, and he was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Don't don't see many people like you at see back, you know? Um, you know. And so he said, um, "I own the largest privately owned boat in the world," and so I said, "Well, you must love the ocean." He's like. Why, I do! Um, Anyway, so... um Why? Yeah. So then we started talking about wolves and models of leadership and Joseph Campbell. And he's like, Joseph Campbell, I love Joseph Campbell. I haven't had a mythological conversation in years. Here, come be my date at the Reagan banquet. Okay. So it turns out he's Mr. Platinum Republican. I don't think he's listening to this right now. Um, but I have no idea who he is or even his name. You know. Um, but but he sends the incredible photo of us in which you can see this part of him that's being fed by the myths, going, oh, I, I want this. I want my positive Mars invited. You know. And then the kind of de- of Doom, Republican maps, kind of going, Dah. and you can see it in his face. He's going crazy, like. Ah, nah, nah. Um, but but his his title his title to the email is you know CEO Petroleum Inc. I'm like woof woo, woo, woo. Um, So we're 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 right next to all the really mega dementors, and um and and it's you know just in in airspace. And 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 then he says my my date for the evening says you know Ronald uh, or but uh, George W Bush one of the greatest presidents ever. I'm like as long as I've known you, which was 40 minutes, um, I go, I, I've never heard you say such a silly thing, I think you might be possessed. And he was like, again, and so he wasn't, he wasn't angry, he was surprised, um, you know, and again, I'm just encouraging, surprising language liberates everybody, you know, um, you know and he was like, possessed, and I go, yeah, I, don't th- I think you do know, sort of in the atmosphere and it's, you know, using you, and he's like. Interesting thought. Um, anyway, so 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 I do I do I do all that you know, and, and I and I do think it's important to cross borders and you know uh, whatever you know. I mean, we're here right now as as we dedicate the the, sp- the specific quality of our dedication magnetizes the specific, specific quality of the opportunity, which is why whatever comes to us, it's a good frame story. That whatever comes to us is a woof woof wanna play opportunity. Um, and just the, yeah, the last thing I'll say about CPAC, but it does it continues to delight me. You know, so. Austrian right-wing, Ayn Rand economists, you know, all named Wolfgang, and looking really cartoon, kind of evil. Um, So, also under everybody's chairs is an invisible thing, party favor you can take home with you, which is a portable harumfitude composter. It's very important to compost harumfitude before speaking, because it makes speaking communication, um, as opposed to conflict, and um, so the Ayn Rand economists came up and go, you, who are you? And that's when I said, I'm Coyote Network News, I'm a mythological news service for the trickster redeemer within us all. Um, and and, and these, these grumpy right-wing, you know, crazy, up-to-no-good economist board. that is so cool. So, Well, um, Nancy Reagan had an astrologer. Yes, I know Joan Quigley, yeah, um, late, just died, yeah. on the same she, day Ben Bradley was died. Was she a good astrologer? She was Vassar, 1947 right-wing astrology, but um, uh, which which can happen, you know. But but. Um but she did an amazing thing, um, for, completely for real. Um, because Nancy Reagan was famous as the, the client from a- astrological hell. For years before, you know, Ronnie was governor and everything, she was, she was like, why can't Ronnie run now, you know? Um, the, the bad cancerian mother, born to shop, but never enough feeding. Like, ah, ah. Anyway, so, so Joan Quigley said to Nancy and Ronnie, you've got to drop this evil empire stuff with Russia because you and Gorbachev have a date with destiny and you can do really good things and you should think about your legacy. She did that. Wow. Yeah, she changed the metaphor. So, well, bless you, and, yeah. and she just died when, on the same day Ben Bradley, oh. Washington Post editor, died. Wow. Wow. Going, All right, thank you, thank you everybody. Okay.
1: So, on your website, there's a link to the Astrodanced website um, being a, a astrology web page that I've used, I'm interested in it. You know did a, a chart from Astrodams and um, and so I followed that link and it has a little bio of you with your chart oh so what yeah. i wanted to ask <laughs> you, oh. Oh. what I wanted to ask you is um, what looking back on it, does your chart if maybe if you could summarize your chart but what uh-huh. does your chart tell you about who you have become and what your destiny is. Oh my,
2: hmm. Yes, I often wish I could go to myself, um, right, uh, and and lavish the same amount of attention that I do on other people, because sometimes when I'm doing readings for other people, I go, and it's like, good, follow your own advice. Um, But then I go, ooh, and that's happening to me now too. Um, But um, I almost forgot. Um, What is your chart? What is my chart? Yeah. Um, well, you know, for, for me, you know, I, do, I do love it so, so much. Um, I'm in this beautiful language, you know. So when I'm born, the, the Sun and Neptune are very within four seconds, really, of each other. Neptune dreams vision, imagination, right next to Saturn's structure of reality. So, so early on, you know, going, imagination lays the tracks for the reality train. So always into that. and. Um, And then rebellious, you know, and we all have these different dance partners in in our inner democracy, how to bring our inner democracy into accord? So it's like discipline or space out, um, which is a dance I often do, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, going, oh, you know, but but a dedication to mythological literacy. And then it squares the Ornus, the trickster, um, uh, going, um, yes, uh, defiant, uh, you know, sometimes going, Reject the ruts, and then as a friend said, uh, but ruts can sometimes get your car out of the driveway in the snow, and it's like no. I don't. So, so an experiment, um, and um, and that idea of uh, wanting to take old things and bring them alive in a new way, and to be, yeah, you know, disobedient and all, mm-hmm. um, uh, but to encourage play. Um, uh, in everyone, so so even um, the, the hair is a little extreme at the moment. It has a mind of its own, um, but but still, um, it does mostly induce play. When I go through airport security, pretty much airport security goes, oh, I wish I could have my hair like that. And I go, you 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 should try that here. Um, or um, if you change jobs, you could. It's it's very it's not kind of goth. <clears throat> you know, it's wolf wolf want to play, and mostly people do. And you know, and, and if people don't, you just keep moving. You know, you don't go. You know, um, so, uh, I mean, um, many things about Char, but, but, but yeah, always learning, always learning. Um, and I guess it was also um, finding Joseph Campbell early and Carl Jung early as the best male hero embodiments of what I thought it was to be an educated person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I later came to study Grey Legend with, with Joseph Campbell um, his later years, and, and also to work with, with Hillman, these are provi- Aries guys who who really needed to be teased and flirted with. <laughs> they, I mean, just so they didn't get impossible. Um, but um, so so I was early on trained to be a curmudgeon whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> um, <I don't> <laughs> And and um, and and both of them were people surrounded by kind of acolytes. And you know, I uh, I, I the Yornis is sometimes disruptive. That um, I, I, I did get to, to host um, Hillman on the first radio show, the Visionary Activist Show, which was a, a good coup. Uh, he was only willing to stay for the first half hour going up, but but he loved the idea of restoring mythological literacy to culture. He's going, that's good, that's good, I'm gonna use that, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and, and then I was saying, you know, strategic cultural advantage goes to those cultivating intimacy with the power of symbols, and he's like, who said that? And I go, I did. He awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and, and then, and then I, I was taking him to his book signing, it was, it was the soul's code, it was the first best-seller he'd ever had, you know, he didn't have to do gigs after that. He was so liberated late in his life, you know, he was in his 70s then. Um, But I took him to the book signing, and I do remember this, Um, you know, somebody in the audience said, what inspired you to write The Soul's Code? And he was like, young man, what possible good would any answer do to you about that? And I go, time to take the author home. There we go, (laughs) there we go. So, right,
1: so. began studying astrology as a, as a teenager, you, you... With Andy Weil. With Andy Weil. Right. Yeah, Dr. Andrew Weil.
2: Dr. Andrew Weil, Mr. Beard. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. Um, <laughs> who's also... I, I, he's a curmudgeon, I've yeah, whispered. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, you were reading the whole earth catalog, anything the whole earth catalog recommended. Right. Young, Campbell, you studied the grail legends and so on. And then it goes on to say this is your website. Um, dedicated to astrology as one of the great meta-languages of antiquity, uniting everything of consequence, personal and collective change, ritual magic, esoteric philosophy, Kabbalah. You studied at the Astrological Lodge on Baker Street in London, traveled through India, Returned to Brown, where you read 18th and 19th century novels and studied everything useful to astrology, the grail, legend, comparative religion, Sufism, voodoo, oriental theater, Middle Eastern dance, film, writing, and all contributing to a degree in semiotics.
2: That was the so, cover,
1: that was yeah, the cover, yeah. Right. yeah. So, <laughs> so um, uh, this, so, it, obviously this amazing, presence that you've created was built layer over layer over time, kind of enriching an original uh, impulse from very early on. Is that true, basically?
2: Yeah, and you can imagine my, my, my parents oh, certainly disguised as much more conventional people. Um, um, and my father, you know, my father was born in 1898 and all of his kids grew up to be kind of creative people. And he's like, what the... Um, and then they would look at my curriculum at Brown. I mean, my dad would go, Japanese, no theater, great legend, you know, uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, how are you going to make a living? Your only hope is to marry a Rockefeller. Um, you know." Um, you know? And my mother would go, "Why don't you legitimate what you're doing by, you know, getting a, you know, a PhD in psychology?" And whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, um, and I'm so worried about you. And I go, "Do you want to fork over heaps of money?" No. And then you're and then I go, "Your job is to think it's going to work." Then um, you know, so um, uh, but but again, you know, we're, we're, we are it, it is it is very. Uh, your, your, your enthusiasm is, is, is most, is replenishing. Because I also have Moon and Virgo, as many wonderful people here do, which is full of creative self-doubt, going, oh, never good enough. <laughs> um.
1: When you look at the present astrological moment, which I understand from what you've said is quite intense, and you look out over the next several decades in which this great struggle for uh, Life and justice on Earth is going to be played out. What do the stars tell us about what the opportunities and dangers will be?
2: Oh, just a small question you have. Oh, well, magic eight ball for that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So. I I go back I go back to language, you know, again, um, you know, our word disaster means dis is against and asters the stars Um, uh, and dis is a prefix for underworld, you know, a dis-ease, a dis-aster, a dismay is where we go to the underworld where souls speak more deeply to us and the antidote is to consider, con is with, consider the the stars. We avert disaster by gathering to consider as we're doing now, so um, there's no fixed future. Um, you know, uh, again, it's neck and neck. Um, all cultures give birth to their own astrologies. Every culture has had a sky-earth <laughs> guiding mythos of calendar and meaning, uh, always. Um, People often talk about you know Vedic astrology and you know modern um, but if you're born into a highly predictable feudal culture, you know fourteenth century India, your life is predictable and you will die when you're eighty four by slipping on a bar of soap um, and um, but we are have a different thing going um so um the the realm of now this crucial moment where where the description, as we know, I mean, we know it, it just frames it, you know, where where dominance is going down, dominance is an evolutionary dead end. Pluto in Capricorn says, what must we die to, lest we die from? Um, And it is, you know, dominance in its myriad colonial empire forms, you know, including, you know, GMOs dominating human will rather than, you know, versus Uranus Trickster in Aries going collaborate, you know, culture of reverent ingenuity, you know, rising. So, so there's a, there's a collapse and a renaissance inter, intermingled. So, um, you know, I did, I did actually write an essay uh, a million years ago uh, for, for Time Life's book on something or other, Astrology um, Mysteries of the Something, um, but, um, but in which, you know, going, all right, let's take it all the way out there, um, you know, as Neptune how the, how the large planets move through signs really gives one um, both a clue and an encouragement of what to cultivate. Um, so Neptune, again, it's the part of us that is divine that participates in dreaming the world into being. And as it moves through signs, um, it will give um, uh, a nuance. So for instance, Neptune in 1920s, Neptune's in Leo. Roaring 20s. 1929, Neptune moves into Virgo, tighten up, whoa! Neptune in Libra, you know. um, One of the best lectures I went to in 1971 at the Astrological Lodge in Baker Street in London was Neptune and jazz, um, and how you could sort of see it in music, going Neptune and Virgo, all kind of technical, Neptune and Libra, everybody's wearing sunglasses, it's all cool, Neptune and Scorpio, kind of smack-freak jazz, Neptune and such, anyway. So here we are now, Neptune and Pisces, you know, again, gather all the myths and stories and everything says, right, and which ones do we want to animate, you know, in this this leadership model. You know, it's going to be there as a, as a long pattern now to avail ourselves of it. Um, To go backwards, to go forward, where we are right now, you know, 1964 to 69 is when Pluto death and rebirth and Uranus revolution change come together, 64 to 69, with Jupiter storytelling joining them, uh, uh, 69. So, those of us who lived through the 60s, you know, and those born in the 60s, you know, you are the 60s, and then afterwards, too, it's still in the resonant field. Right now, this week, we had the seventh of seven Uranus-Pluto squares. It's kind of like new moon, 60s, first quarter moon now. How do we integrate those principles more? 60s, great. Allies in a glance, really good. Dark shadow came pretty fast. Uh, people went into witness relocation programs and hiding. Um, um, and the idea of actual equality between men and women, um, between humans and the Earth, lip service but not... Completely teased in, and also we were still under the spell of, of martyrdom. All our heroes were martyred, so we want to th- story rewrite, you know, that we all take on the heroic capacity. So there's no one person to be ma- to be martyred, and we all support the good in everyone. Um, so 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 right now, you know, I, you know, it's like sometimes people will. You know, come for readings, and they go. Oh, that's really good. okay. Deep delving, that's great. But but I'm looking at you know 2019 when Pluto transits my Mercury, and I go. I'm really worried about that. And I go. If you didn't know astrology, would you be worried? And they're like, no. And I go. Well, don't think about it then. Um, that's, that's, that's not what it's for. You know, a a um, a, uh, a fi- you know a five-year fear planner. Um, you know, it's um, into the into the into the realm. So so so. So I'm very here, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very here, like what we do now, you know, we can we can speculate, but it isn't a fixed future, it's all a kind of dance lessons. Um, and we know that there's so much set in motion that is irrevocable, some of it, um, had, you know, good climate blogging being on, on radio on Thursday, um, going, yeah, five to six feet water rise, for sure, pretty much, you know, again, that, that New, most of Florida, New Orleans, uh, Santa Cruz, uh, you know, we go, uh, a world of refugees. Um, you know, and, and even as, as we gather here, we, we hear of, you know, tremendous disasters, the, the island of, I'm not going to pronounce it, it's not, it's Vanu, Vanuatu, Vanuatu, right. Um, uh, only 12 people died, again, that is uh, tragic of itself, but they will have no food for three months, all the gardens are gone. So Neptune is the compassionate response part of humans that is not just, there's the great evolutionary engine of predator prey on this planet, that, get, that does get everybody smarter. Predator prey over 60,000 years. Predator much smarter than prey. Um, we move forward 30,000 years. Everybody's smarter. Predator still smarter than prey, you know. Anyway. Um, but even Darwin knew that some, that that's, you know, that isn't, that's, a, that's one story, um, but that what was missing was altruism. And Neptune represents we're all in this dream together. So to, to find and replace, you know, Beauty Poker that, you know, armies become first responders of ingenuity, that music festivals, you know, are, are so gifted at creating a civilization over a weekend that they should be going to Vanuatu and to New Orleans after the flood and going, here's taco and belly dancing and some food for you and, you know, again, you know, all the skills applied into experimental ingenuity, how can they do good mm-hmm. at that time? So, um, So after that, I don't know.
1: Um, I want to come back to James Hillman for a moment. Uh, um, When James Hillman got kicked out of the Jung Institute in Switzerland for being a bad boy, um, and he was trying to reinvent himself, and he uh, went to London where he... um, discovered the work of Marsilio Ficino. Right, that was our connection. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Renaissance Neoplatonist and astrologer. astrologer. Right. And, um, and uh, he really found in Ficino a Western uh, uh, Platonist uh, whose astrological psychology formed the kind of inner democracy that you've been talking about because the different stars, rep- different star configurations, or different signs uh, represented these different dimensions of ourselves, the different inner voices that you've been talking about. So it's, and how you can cooperate with and them. And how you can cooperate That's with them, important. absolutely. Yeah. And, um, but Hillman took it in a particular direction. Um, while Jung had had a, a vision of the whole, that the self sort of integrated everything, Hillman was much more inclined to see the psyche as a forest and you you kind of crept into the forest as an observer and didn't try to change or coordinate these different voices. They all simply were different dimensions of you that you could witness as opposed to try to coordinate or facilitate. Um, So I'm curious in your own view uh, there are two pieces to this. The first is do you believe that, as you understand mythic astrology as a way of understanding our lives, that it helps us to move towards some wholeness, or are you more in the kind of postmodern deconstructionist vision? Yeah, I know. Hillman was where. What the Hillman was? Yeah, where, yeah, where yeah, this, yeah, this yeah, is right. just a kind of a forest of different voices and. The point is not any form of, of evolution or self-improvement, but rather simply to witness the voices within us.
2: Well, Hillman was an Aries, you know, of course, um, bless his heart, and, and, and a pretty good astrologer <laughs> and the incarnation of Mars. So he liked saying, bull- you didn't even believe in. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, and 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 part of my dance as a Libra, the the dance of polarity is, you know, every every single, you know, my sort of teen into twenties boyfriend, without my knowing, it was an Aries. go, like, Oh God, until I outgrew that. Um, but 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 what was confounding is they seem wrong, but they're so confident, you know, and I would be I'd be so impressed by that, going, wow. Until I learned that it wasn't completely, you know, for real. But but I was snookered by like, wow, oh, confident. That's right. You know, um. So, um, so Hillman and I had an interesting dance, um, and again, I, I, as a curmudgeon whisperer, um, who's willing to play, who, who, who's willing to be teased and play? And, and I would say also my, my, my buddy Robert Bly, for me, gets, gets the best marks for <laughs> best use of old age willing to play, because I I met him, I mean, I I, I knew him when he was sort of, you know, famous, and I didn't know him, and then, you know, whatever, and then when he was a really kind of tyrannical dingbat, and then we had a really close thing, and then as a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful collaborator, and teased, and Hillman was somewhere in the middle of being willing to be teased, Um, but what I thought was difficult for him, and really for anybody, and and the myths address this, was to be surrounded by adoring people. It was like, oh no, it's poison for an Aries, because they (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, and so I was always interrupting him in varying different forms, um, which he liked. He would show his little canines and go, ooh. Um, and um, so at one, at one point he was giving a talk in the, in, the, in the cathedral, and it was just so, it was full of people kind of passively, kind of, ooh, and the energy was just very dead, you know. Somebody was like, and are there new archetypes? You know, he's like, ooh, and I go, Trickster is a very ancient one. He goes, trickster, yes, fine, let's play. It all came alive. The very last, um, and we were always, um, you know, when you say postmodern, that does give me conniption fits, like, um, uh, it's a very Mars thing. So we were also at a, a conference, um, and I was giving kind of a talk about uh, astrology and alchemy.
0: You're listening to a presentation with Caroline Casey, followed by a conversation with Michael Lerner.
2: And I said there's a, a powerful moment in the alchemical process where the alchemist in each one of us is holding the cauldron and it's called the negredo. It begins to violently seethe um, and polarize um, and, and vapors of moral ambiguity fill the world. And, you know, and, and the alchemist, all of us, might drop the cauldron, but that would be a great tragedy because it took so long to get to this dire point. So what the alchemist has to do is, you know, reach up and invite in whatever we want to call it, you know, uh, trickster, uh, divinity, Holy Spirit, whatever, and invite it into the cauldron, which then begins to whatever and turn into liquid gold and then we can have a wonderful culture. So I had, you know, it was, it was, it was like 800 people, I go, let's do that now, you know. So everybody came kind of, <laughs> and, and I, and I talked to Hillman, I go, oh you, oh, you missed my lecture, and he goes, no, I loved your lecture, I, I learned a lot, but I wasn't going to participate in that kind of inflation. And I go, oh, Mr. Academic Mars, (laughs) I see. And we go, but he liked playing that way. And the last conversation we ever had was at Robert Bly's Great Mother Conference where we were on stage like this, um, and he'd written a book that I did not love on um, Mars and war and how we need war, you know. And um, I go, it was, it, was like, it was like being at CPAC. I go, I, I don't think you even believe that. I think you've been possessed. And he was like, oh. I, no, he was surrounded by people who were like, oh, making, bo- making movies and writing books. Who were like, well. And, and I did, sometimes, sometimes we cross the line, but how else would we know where it is? Um, so. Um, um, so. Um, so um, so I said, well, James, you know, because he was like, war, you know, it was really, was really good. I, go, I don't even believe that. And, and he was having his Uranus return that week, um, right then. Um, it, Uranus returns to where it was when we were born, you know, every 84 years. And the image for his Uranus at 26 plus Pisces is, um, you know, uh, uh, a beautiful moon gives rise to a vision of peace. And I go, James, let me be your Uranus return for you, right over um, And then he said, oh, okay, not, not used to being opposed, but liking it, right, um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a spirally dance. And then he said, you know, well, archetypal psychology, and I forgot that his whole trip was called archetypal psychology, um, and I said, archetypal psychology, what an unfortunate pairing of words. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Archetype a, 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 archetype, a stuffy mechanical term that used, Jung only used as an experiment to smuggle living ideas into academia, once useful, but now really imprisoning, and psychology that has so much more to owe to astrology, you know, as a modern whippersnapper. Update. Anyway, his, 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 his fans were appalled, like, <gasps> but he was like, his canines were like, <laughs> okay, let's go. So,
1: So, God's loving, you know. So, uh, many of us watch Mark Shields on PBS NewsHour, and in 1980, you did a weekly astrological political analysis with Mark Shields, I did. What was it like in 1980 to do your at Fox? Work with, with
2: we were we we had a show before Fox became you know the the toxic ding battery that it was, but it was yeah, you know, and it was it was Terrence Smith, the White House New York Times reporter, and Mark Shields, um, who was just beginning his his career then, but wonderful. And they were two very po- let's talk about you know yay positive guys. They were very kind to me.
1: But how did they how did you guys do this? I mean, here are two mainstream political types. Grown-ups, Here you are. actual grown-ups, yeah, that's right.
2: right. Yeah, um, and, my, and my, my dad was dying at the time, um, but he watched it going, oh, my daughter is somehow doing politics. I look at it that way. So, um... So, um, but, but they were very good, it, it, was, it was a quirky idea, it was, it, it was disguised as a grown up kind of show, it's, it's a kind of precursor a little bit to Colbert, who was just a genius, um, but, um, but the, we, we would, you know, lined up as panels, and, and I would do the astrological, mythological news, and they treated me with great playful respect. Uh-huh. I mean, they were very, because I would, I would do an analysis of why, you know, uh, Ted Kennedy announcing on a Mercury retrograde means he really didn't want to be president, you know, um, or, or Jimmy Carter's Twelfth house, mysterious UFO believing, you know, quirky, and 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 Terry Smith would go. That's one of the most astute analyses I've ever heard. Um, and, I mean, but in a, in a very kind way, uh, going. Hmm. Um, and I, I've also, I mean, I've also danced with um, Pat Buchanan, which is again a more toxic, ding battery, interesting thing. Um, I, I convinced Pat Buchanan on camera to change his mind about the Harry Potter books. Whoa, amazing! Venusian manners. Amazing. But um, but but Mark Shields also is wonderful, and I see him every now and then. He's a, you know important guy um, and adorable, uh, very kind, very playful. Um, but he also was very good with metaphors, and so we really connected metaphorically because you know it was the Jimmy Carter, it was the Carter Reagan thing, right? Um, and the Iran Contra hostage thing, all pretty pertinent now. Mm. And and Mark Shields said, you know, riding the tiger is easy; it's mounting and dismounting that's tough. And go, well, that's a good one.
1: Could we have somebody pick up the questions so that we can get to them to the end here? Just people with a couple of people. So I still like doing that. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, Here's a quote from you in your book, Making the Gods Work for You. Astrology is not a belief system. It is a language of the dynamic interplay between our interior life and the exterior world. The astrological language grants us access to the invisible realm it describes and provides the vocabulary with which we can begin a detailed investigative exploration of the psyche. It seems to me there are at least two, but I'm sure there's a third way of thinking about astrology. One is that like so many other incredible symbolic systems, whether it's the I Ching or or, you know, Kabbalah or something else, that when you read it and it, in response to a question, as you say, you have to ask the gods. The etiquette is that you have to ask for it. So you ask a question, and whether you're throwing the I Ching or reading your astrology or something else, the symbolic form that it comes back to you in feels extraordinarily powerful. So at one level, one could argue that it's random, but that the way the brain is set up, the way the mind is set up, uh, these symbolic structures capture reality for us in a way that's deeply powerful. The other possibility is that there's something in astrology that it actually matters when exactly you were born. It actually matters what date this is. That it is informing us in a way that has to do with the actual structure of reality. But then one has to deal with the fact, I'm sure you deal with this all the time, that different astrologers will give you very different readings. And if you use different astrological systems, and as you say, different cultures have had different astrological systems, it's not as though there's agreement on a single system. So my question is, I I totally get the power of the symbolic structure to animate us and energize us and give us insight. But when it comes to the question of how a particular astrological system giving birth to a particular astrological interpretation is actually what is needed for us in that moment because it brings down a resonance that is in some way specifically pertinent, I'm curious as to how you hold that
2: whoa, it's a very long thing. Um, uh, but I was taking notes. Um, so... Um, <laughs> I love, you know, that we we are pattern tracking beings. You know, we love symmetry. And and there was a great PBS short film on a woman who made puzzles, you know, of DNA and you know whatever. And she said, that, you know, when they wire the brain up, you know, when we put a puzzle piece in place, it it's it's almost erotic. It's 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 right up there. It's like, <gasps> you know, and and also neuroscience, in its useful way, uh, has discovered that learning new language stimulates the same part of the brain as sex. We go, woo, um, how wonderful. Um, so, um, so pattern and symmetry, and I think, you know, experiment, experiment, believe nothing, but what I learned also was, you know, you, you try on a worldview and then this call and response, and sometimes, I mean, every day I work with, you know, self-doubt and mystery, and then go, what a language, what a language! You know, every day is a, a miraculous mystery, really. Like, you know, how would I have known that? Put that detective thing then. And I, and I mostly work with people on the phone, I, and I prefer to not People say, "Can I tell you a lot about myself before we do a reading?" And it, it's not harmful, but but I go, "No, no, uh, let's not have reality interfere um, early." You know, um, uh, let me let's just go with the story, um, and then um, because what you think and what your chart thinks might be slightly different stories. Um, or when people come with diagnoses, um, very often people have come with dire diagnosis or or, or or troubled children with autism diagnosis, and we go. Okay, you know, when I mean, you do the disclaimer, you go, um, that is one story. Um, let's see what, your, what other story, what other ways we have to tell the story, what's, what's going on here. So Jung was asked, because he loved astrology. Um, how does it work? What is this thing? And he said, Well, there's this physicist, you know, um, uh, Null at Princeton, who's studying light coming through our eyes and affecting the pineal gland and, you know, a kind of causative model, although he's an astrophysicist and wouldn't, you know, um, so that's causation. And then Jung said, And then there's the idea that just everything's in pattern sync, you know. Um, and he said, But nature's never as tidy as we would have it. It's probably both, mm-hmm. probably both symmetrical and mm-hmm. synchronous. So.'" A chart of now, or a chart of each one of our birth maps, is like a perfect poem or a perfect dream. So anybody skilled in the language will agree, but come at it from a different angle, um, and that's a great value. Um, but I think one of the things we want to put on our on our on our work table now, of you know what we're composting and ladling out, is any spiritual philosophy or teaching, or I mean anything. Um, you know, um, science, astrology, spirituality, whatever is valid to the extent that it guides each person to their own autonomy, mm-hmm. um, and otherwise we throw it into the cauldron. Um, so we don't want to outsource our autonomy. Like, Whoa. and part of Marsilio Ficino that 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 I, I also found as very heartening, finding an ally in history. Is that Marsilio Ficino was always berating the, the astrologers of Florence for their primitive priesthood and usurping of power and engendering of superstition, and modern astrologers, you know, joke about that, going, you know, the client is supplicant, going, "May I buy real estate?" Yes, you may, you know. Anyway, we throw that into the cauldron, you know, um, and again, guiding to own autonomy, I, I think, is a crucial principle. That's democratic animism. Um, and, and the transformation, necessary transformation, I think of spiritual practice now. Um, that it be more direct, less priesty. Um, and it's a friend of mine, a you know, wonderful friend saying, um, the modern concept of worship is so degraded. She said in hunter-gatherer society in the Mediterranean, there was great reverence and respect between the invisible backstage and the onstage sensual incarnational reverence, respect, but it was a much more collaborative relationship that the invisible seeks an invitation. So when you were saying, you know, bonus points for correct use and wonderful use of the word matters over and over again, yes, matters, matters. Um, This is not really a language about transcendence, let us get off this veil of tears, it's like full-on sensual. You know, when people quote kind of important, very often boy, uh, spiritual teachers about, you know, whatever the thing, and I go, where's the mango? Where's the fur? Where's the metaphor derived from nature? You know, I, I can't listen to this abstract postmodern talk. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, um, so, um, so I love that because I, as long as we have a hierarchical religious, we're going to get Dick Cheney you know, and so that idea of a kind of democratic animism, you know, and that we're all here to encourage, you know, each other to insource what we've been outsourcing, that it's an ongoing school, you know, our own autonomy to insource it so that we're no longer outsourcing Saturn leadership to sociopathic dingbats who have been trained to lose their sense of kinship, because that's what we've been doing. Um, You know, Skull and Bones at Yale, they have an actual ritual you know, uh, that allows them access to financial and political power, in which they go, this sense of feeling is weak and I kill it now. That's the ritual they do. And we go, here, you can run Wall Street and politics. You know, we go, so we've got the toxic mimic of the initiation ritual. And we're the first human society in living mythic memory that has no initiation for Mars. You know, we need you to do this beautiful thing, to make this thing, to help build Stonehenge. We need you it's a simple thing, um, you know, veterans and Mars and energy and Eros and, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, the, 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 the last thing that, I mean, that, so when I grew up, you know, there was old fogey astrology, which we, we learned with the, because like the Inquisition, these beautiful systems, you know, go into hiding and, and the torch is carried by, you know, eccentric you know, working-class chain-smoking cranks in New England, um, and I studied with them all, and, 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 and in Britain, you know, it was classier. Um, they had kind of, um, you know, John Addy was distinguished, you know, kind of like Stephen Hawking of astrology, the incredible scholars and knowledgeable you know, people, but, um, but there was a definite old guard, so in Washington DC, the first astrologer I knew about that, and I used to spend a lot of time helping people recover from her readings, um, but um, <laughs> Um, she would say things, but it had a, a shy charm if you didn't take it seriously, old school gypsy, she would say to, say to somebody, this man you are seeing he's like a warm glass of milk and you must drink him to the bottom, but do not marry him. Anyway, I go, that's, that's kind of fun. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's a style. You know,
1: um. Here, here's a, a question from the audience. In this world in distress, what must each of us do?
2: Oh. Um, I, th- I think it's, you know, um, where would we each like liberating genius? I, I, I had a very fun frisky um, radio conversing with Elizabeth Gilbert, um, who wrote, you know, "You'd pray, love, but I don't hold it against her, um, because uh, seven. <laughs> Seven years later, she wrote this incredible book, *The Signature of All Things*, you know, which is really pretty dazzling. The writing is dazzling, and and I think it gives proof to what she's talking about because you know the writing, some of the writing is dazzling, um, and um, we 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 were really happy in cahoots about the idea that genius. Is an external invited thing. The late great, I just want to keep doing homage to Terry Pratchett. Does people know Terry Pratchett's work? Oh, no, not enough. Okay, just a great, a great being who just died last week, um, but uh, a Taurus incarnation of Venus, uh, profound and witty, sold 75 million copies of his books. Again, we love that um, because what it means is great. Everything animated. But Terry Pratchett said, you know, genius is always sleeting through the universe until it finds a receptive molecule, and then it's like Shakespeare, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So to us right now, it says, you know, to everybody, to every hero and hero part of everybody, you know, and to distressed people, you know, where would you like liberating genius? You know, where where do you want to build a, a magnetizing receptacle? Where would you like breakthrough and insight? Where would you like to be liberated and take on the responsibility of being liberating? And, um, and then Neptune chimes in and says, you know, uh, uh, we just want you humans to wonder Know wonders, the kind of Neptune's the higher octave of Venus. You know, to wonder, you know, turns our body into a beseeching, invitational chalice of inquiry. Going, I wonder what the hell I, did I wonder what to do about distress. You know, ah, oh, because when we put it together, it says whatever we wonder about will attract liberating genius. I wonder, and, and wonder is very old world. You know, um, we, we want to take old world into. Modern world, I mean, modern world, playing a game of musical chairs, music ends, one less chair, everybody scrambles for identity or relationship or you know, whatever. Although less and less, as a friend of mine says, panic early to avoid the rush. Um, so, um, so, so the whole thing's kind of coming down so that it doesn't quite work. But, but, but the Neptune part of all of us goes, I never ever wanted to play musical chairs, You know, go on free range. And in ancient world, you know, um, not knowing was considered a very advanced accomplishment you know, look that human has run out of certainty, now the divine can inspire them. So wondering in ancient world was valued, um, uh, like heretic was, a, was an honoring term, That you know, that Michael Lerner sure is a heretic, meaning uh, free thinking, good, you know, so, so wonder and heresy, you know, um, so wonder, so to distress I go, you know, wonder about it, you know, wonder about your own damn question, there you go. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Caroline, um, I end this conversation as we began it. i I have a a sense of awe about um, what you have incarnated into the world. And uh, one of my hopes and prayers for the coming years is that you be carried your your radio show be carried everywhere, and particularly in Washington, D.C. That would be adorable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think what you invite us to do, I mean, one of the things about you is that, uh, that we have a friend who used to live in town named Tony Serra, who's a very great defense lawyer. And he used to describe himself as a, a, a linguistic warrior. He, oh, only half a centimeter. Yeah, but it. Okay. the point was that he knew how to use language, and I remember uh, when we did uh, a spiritual biography with Brother David Steindl-Rast. He uh, he talks about feeling his way into the root of words, uh, and you have that same quality that you. Have really thought about language. You know your your response to postmodern. <laughs> that's a good example. But but you you have thought in depth about words and their power. You have thought about how words have a power. That the word, the sound, the word within the matrix of culture. Right. Of mythology is is quite fundamental as uh, you know as a, 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 as one of the small one of the most basic constructs. So um, I think I'd like to end by asking you to talk a little about how you have come to understand language the way you do, and how you feel your way back into the origin of words. Hmm.
2: Well, I was was very lucky in my siblings, my four much older, pretty hip siblings who took me to see the movie Black Orpheus like when I was six, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, um, and later, I don't know if you know, Black Orpheus really holds up and the soundtrack is really great and later as a medium grown-up when I saw it I was like, wow, I saw that one at six. And they had, you know, Lenny Bruce and Joan Baez and you know, um, and, and fast rapid word play and I'm, you know, the youngest um, and and sometimes you get kind of, you know, like in The Wolf Den, kind of cuffed, you know, just you know, um, and, but I value that um, and, and I like a certain amount of f- Fierce play. Um, but so language, yes, always loving words, and then um, you know, in most alphabets and language is understood as as in in vanca, as magic. Um, you know, and, and then the, the you know little parts of the Bible. I mean, I love I love Isaiah saying, speak to the weary a word that will rouse them. You know, we go, go Isaiah, that's really good. Um, and then going, ooh, ooh, they're, they're alive, and, and again, when we go backwards to go forwards. So I also love the, the cunning use of hyphens, right, as liberating. You know, if we put a, hy- if a, we put a hyphen in diagnosis, you have dia hyphen gnosis. Let all critique be inviting all gnosis and wisdom into play. We go, oh, that's very great um, That's you know, beautiful. It is really good. I mean, it's, it's like, ah. Oh.
1: Say right that, of course. Say that one again. Dia means what? Daya is everywhere.
2: Everywhere. Andgnosis um, is wisdom. So oh. a diagnosis is may wisdom from everywhere come into play. Whoa. Think about that. that. That, Think about that. Yeah, and and that critique is in order to heal. Yeah. Um, I I want to throw on behalf of myself, absolutely self, you know, and others, you know, the, that we compost snark, as a reactive default setting which is the emotional equivalent of running on tar sands fuel, really, because it's You know, um, and it's like, no, discourage the bad, encourage the good. Critique without invitational vision is complicitous with empire. uh, and, um, and especially, I do, I do want to do a shout out especially to the people here because it is so opportune. Um, especially the, the amount of, uh, from every quarter um, and even especially the progressive quarter, the amount of uh, snark and vitriol and hatred um, directed at Barack Obama. Um, uh, as, as a Washington person, Like, you know, cross-pollinating will go, yes, yes, drones are bad. I mean, you post something good, like, oh, the Excel pipeline and and the thing, and the astrology, and people go, yeah, but do you know about the NDAA and the horrible trade deal and the drones? And it's like, mm. It's it's not an invitational. It's a righteous, finger-wagging, condescending response. You know, um, and we go, discourage that, encourage this. And as as a responder, as a mythological being in the mystery play, we're all in the mystery play, you know, Barack Obama, whose name means praise the good, Barack Obama, Um, you know, yes in in prison, um, but again coming from a political background going, team, team, it would be churlish to refuse to cooperate on the good things, you know, um, while absolutely critiquing the bad things. But this is a climate change person, Um, you know, and he's also completely responding astrologically and mythologically. You know, the, the, the night he won the Nobel Prize, which people go, ah, oh, Nobel Prize, but he gave all of that money um, to an African nonprofit, you know, discreetly. Um, and that night, he appeared in every single one of the board of directors' um, dreams. Um, and whenever I go to the White House, you know, for anti-XL pipeline demonstrations and all, you know, and I bring his chart, and with my cute mystery skull, ask me about it. Um, but we, we go, you know, the blessing, critique and blessing. Uh, Americans have forgotten blessing. It's why we bombed the Middle East, because it's a culture of blessing that we actually need the beauty of the Middle East underneath all that war. You know, and people go, blessing, you know, may they realize how horrible they are. That's not a blessing! Okay, so, <laughs> so uh, Americans have lost, you know, and blessing is a very important invitation for power to come into the world, and it can be fierce blessing. May all humans have an increasing empathic experience of the effect of their actions on others, you know? Um, And we're allowed to set in motion anything of which we would be the happy recipients. So we go, all right, am I willing to experience empathically the effect of my actions on others, and the good things, and the flying fossil fuels across the country, I mean, going, yeah, okay, Then let it rip. Um, And so whenever I go to the White House and with Obama's chart, you know, again, demonstrations, and go, you know, with the team, may the ancestors place a cloak of guiding and protecting Earth wisdom around his shoulders with his incredibly fierce and creative mother backing him up, you know, and I go, oh! and twice, whenever, when I've done that, Obama steps out of the White House within three seconds and goes, you know, and, 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 and I knew, I knew he was going to, I mean, I was rooting for him, again, to, to veto the XL pipeline. And people, even our team, were like, you watch, he's going to go along. It's like, da! It is time for us to quit bespelling ourselves with, you know, addiction to righteous disappointment. It's a, it's a, it's a gummy fuel. So so just the last little bit on him, too, because it's important for April 8th. So I knew that Uranus the trickster was stationing at 12 degrees Aries um, on the winter solstice just behind us. And Barack Obama, when he's born, he's so responsive to the astrology Um, uh, and to encourage the good thing. Um, And he's smart. I mean, again, he's in prison. Toss him a key, um, but, um, uh, but uh, you know, again, progressive team were like, nah, 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 nah. and I go, well, you watch, you watch, I mean, I was saying this for two years back, going, no, no, the reason we wanted him to be like, you watch December 2014. You're in a station training his son, he's gonna come alive. Trickster is dancing with him. And he and it did, it's like he it did. You know? and, and still they we were like, yeah, nah, 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 nah. and we go, yes, of course. We compost that and we encourage this thing, you know, and, um, and Jupiter, God of Storytelling is retrograde now, appears backwards, inward for everybody. Um, we, you know, what is the desirable story that we all begin to create with each other, and then it stations to go forward, apparent motion for the Earth, on, on April 8th. You know, meaning right now, we, let's conjure the most beautiful, wonderful, irresistible story in collaboration with all the animals and plants and everything, um, and then it goes forward, which is outward, and that, Stations at 12 degrees Leo, which is Barack Obama's son. He's he's the right participant in the mystery play, um, part of our dream. We're him. We're Netanyahu. We're, we're, all, we're all, you know, in fact, composting the use of the word they, especially those people, and ladling out we. We're harming. That we're all in this dream together. We we dreamed that the Netanyahu parts of ourselves were oppressing the Palestinian parts of ourselves. Because then you're in a mythological realm where you can begin to do magic, once it's in symbolic form.
1: Before I say goodbye, and we say goodbye to Caroline. <laughs> uh, two quick notes. One is um, this Afghani family who created this magical yes. coat for Caroline. If they are the recipient of our gratitude in this uh, little basket it's, here.
2: It's part of the Arabian Nights because the Zamani family. I was like, oh, I don't know. Do. And they go, the coat loves you. And I go, I will wear it on stage. They go, the coat loves you. You take it now. You pay us later. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but 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 I go. Can I really tell the audience that it does go to the family that created that? And and I, there's enough there. There was a musician. I'm getting all entwined mm-hmm. with the beauty of Afghanistan, and I won't. I won't go on and on. But um, but. Just now, uh, before I left, um, uh, Afghani musician, they were like, oh no, you should take the coat and, and and the coat will come alive and it will magnetize the way to pay for itself because we're in a magic story. But the Afghani musician said, I, I love what the Zamanis are doing because they really are keeping the handmade beauty of Afghanistan alive as an ambassadorial realm uh, in the music and poetry and this exquisite handmade Venus will save the world. It's the antidote to to war. And I said to the musician, I said, uh, we're trying to put together a concert, we, I said we should have a concert of all the beautiful musicians from all the countries that America has bombed. And he said, there is no hall large enough. Um, you know, and, um, and he said, and we'd have to have extra rooms for the future. And I go, yes, yes. And it does remind me of, you know, best bumper sticker in Washington, you know, um, be, be nice to America or we'll bring democracy to your country. Um, so, um, so, so so the so the coat the coat is taking me on tour as as a Venusian goodwill tour, um, and I send it all if you if you are a token a nickel whatever whatever um, but but I, it goes all to the Zamani family who are feeding and nourishing the village handmade artisans in Afghanistan,
1: and also uh, in a sense uh, the new school is our coat uh, ah, it's handmade it's handcrafted. Uh, For seven years this community has been building the New School together as a venue uh, for culture and nature and the inner life in West Marin. Uh, We are the body of the New School um, and um, we depend on each other. Um, So if you uh, are able to make some contribution uh, Money is the densest form of energy, and we can lift that energy up into friends like Caroline Casey and all of the others who come to be with us here. So uh, please uh, think of yourselves not as an audience, but as uh, the living body of the new school. Um, We're here together uh, to try to um, transform a reality that right now needs a little bit of help. And um, so thanks to all of you for being here and profound gratitude for this great visionary astrologer, Caroline Casey. Ah. Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to a presentation and conversation with Caroline Casey, hosted by Michael Lerner. Thank you for joining us at the New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio engineer is Ken Adams, and our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Please visit our website at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N- W-E-A-L You can also find us on Facebook